And now, for the show reflecting on classic radio, Hollywood 360, with your host, Carl Amari. You lost your magic. They knocked you off your game. Your Carlness went right out the window. What's with this Carlness? It's not even a, a real word. It's a conjunction, a preposition. It's a philosophy, a way of life. It's your name with miss attached to it. Bob, listen to me. If you'd have done what I asked you to and come in my dressing room before the show, you'd have known that you weren't supposed to come out here until I introduced you. Jack, I tried to get into your dressing room, but I didn't have a nickel. I understand you're pretty funny as a DJ, and comedy is a kind of hobby of mine. Well, well actually, it's a little more than just a hobby. Reader's Digest is considering publishing two of my jokes. Really? Yeah. From Hollywood, it's time now for... Honey Dollar. Leave the gun. Take the cannoli. Quiet, numbskulls. I'm broadcasting. Hello, everyone. I'm Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the astonishing Lisa Wolf. In this hour, Paul Fries stars in a tense drama on Escape from 1947. But it's time now for Is It Real or Is It Ridiculous, the music edition. Lisa will play clips from popular songs and provide a statement about each song. And my job is to guess if that statement is real or ridiculous while you play along at home. Right, Lisa? You got it, Carl. Let's see if you can turn your luck around a little bit. This yeah. Um, historically hasn't been your best segment. Uh, well, I stink at this game. That's uh, why. I, I was saying it in a diplomatic way, but true. I basically stink at this game. So I what mean, I've I can't done, be great at everything in life. Right. I mean, this is I probably mean, the only thing that you're not good right. at. I mean, so that's I fair. I just think it's something. Right. So it's this. Um, so I did choose what I call romantic songs, but I will tell you that these are all really good songs and I think you'll like them. Mm-hmm. Okay. So let's hear the first song. God only knows what I don't I like this song. You don't? No. God only knows by the Beach Boys. No. How could you not like the Beach Boys? I don't like this song. It's slow. It's romantic and slow. I don't like it. Okay, it's a great song. Nah. If you'd listen to it, you'd probably nah. like it. Give it a minute. I don't really like it. Well, I think you do. <laughs> I don't. You do. You're what just about being obstinate. You got a so, statement? I do. I got one. What is your statement? My statement is Bob Dylan performed the song with Brian Wilson at a 2002 benefit concert in Los Angeles. Is that real or ridiculous? Ridiculous. Okay. So let's listen to the clip and see if it's him or not. All right. Paul McCartney and Brian Wilson. Yeah, I it's got It's Paul it. McCartney and Brian Wilson singing God Only Knows. Oh, see, Check I it out. It. I think I must have had, like, the exact right dose of Prevagen. And listen a second. I had a nap. That'll do it. <laughs> it sounds so different with him. I'm ready for the next All one. All right, sounds good. All right, here's the next song. I got that one. Yes, you did. <laughs> Just remember I got that yeah. one. I like this song. You say... What can make me feel this way? My girl. My girl. My girl. 
My Girl. So this is My Girl, recorded yes. by The Temptations. Yes. Uh, good one, right? I was actually tempted to sing it, too. Yes, I picked up on that. Did you get it? I didn't. Got that, Mike? Um, here's your statement. Sure. Ready? Sure, here's Mike. Man of, man of many words. <laughs> sure. Sure, whatever you say, Carl. All right. The Rolling Stones covered this song on their album Flowers in 1967. Yes, that's real. It's real? Let's I think hear it. so. Let's hear it and see. No. It is. Is it? It is. Oh, my god! It's the Rolling Stones. Unbelievable. I got two right. Mike, I'm on a roll. <laughs> yes, I'm are. like butter. I'm on a roll. I've got the all right, two well, we're only halfway through, so... I know, don't All right. jinx it. Yeah, don't jinx yourself. Don't You're jinx getting it. a little overzealous. Song, baby. All right. All right. All right, here's your next romantic song. That's, uh, that's Cindy Lauper. I like this song. <laughs> I like Cindy Lauper. I think she's great. You know the song? Yeah. Yes? I know it. <laughs> it's called Time After Time. Time After Time. Okay. All right. So Time After Time by Cindy Lauper. This yeah. This is from her album, She's So Unusual. Here's your statement. All right. Time After Time was used in a 2016 commercial for McDonald's. Real or ridiculous? I'll say false. All right, let's listen. Let's see. Time after time, if you fall, I will catch you. I'll be waiting. Time after time. We all want better for our kids. Time after time. Introducing a better chicken McNugget made with oh, 100% darn. white meat chicken darn. and no artificial preservatives. Darn, 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 darn. It's McDonald's. <laughs> ah, I got that one wrong. Yeah, you did. That's okay. There's I think Mike still jinxed me. Mike jinxed me. It's Mike's me. fault, or it's mine. It's, it's not your fault. No, it's, it's Mike's it's fault. It's got to be Mike or me, one or the other. I'm going to blame it on Mike. Okay, me too. <laughs> All right, you've got one more to go. Let's hear it. <sighs> I don't even know this song. Lady Gaga? I don't know Called this you and I? Written and recorded by Lady Gaga on her album Born This Way. Never Where you it. been? I don't think I've ever heard 2011. it. 2011. A long time ago. Yeah, well, so have all these songs. I might have been like uh, somewhere under else. a rock back in <laughs> <Probably>. 2011. <laughs> you like it? Like, hey, Carl, wake up. You like it? No. What? I don't like it. Yes, you do. No, I don't. <laughs> you do. I don't like it. If you've never heard it, you just decided I you don't like it. I gotta get this one. I can't be 50-50. I gotta get... I mean, I yes, can't be can. 500. I got to get this right. All right. You want your uh, statement? Yes. Eric Clapton plays guitar on this song. Real or ridiculous? Real. All right. Um, there's no there's no clip for it. The answer is ridiculous. Oh. It's Queen guitarist Brian May. Come on, May. Lisa. Uh, you, wow, you, guys, wow. you guys totally... You, you guys... You guys totally jinxed me. Oh, wait. I thought it was Mike's fault. How did I get both into this? Both of you. Both of wait, you Wait. You Mike said Mike. Mike, Mike like 60% and Lisa 40%. Well, I didn't do anything. I was anything. on a roll, man. I was like butter. Yeah, I didn't do anything. You got a little, you know what happened? You got a little 
Uh, I don't want to say the word. <laughs> 50, 50% is not good enough. Not when it's a 50 50 all answer. Right, all right. <laughs> all right. Good Told try, you Carl. not to get too excited. He did. He got Jinxed excited. Me. You guys jinxed me. We, I did it too. It was just Mike. Both of you. Oh, it's my fault too. All right. When we come <laughs> okay. back, we're going to tune into a great episode of Escape. Stick around. More Hollywood 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360. We're going to listen to an episode of Escape here, and the guy who stars in this episode of Escape is Paul Freese. Paul Freese, I think, had one of the most interesting voices of that era. He did a ton of cartoon work. You know, he just did so much stuff. But you're going to hear his voice. It's really interesting. Uh, on this program, Escape, of course, was CBS's um, kind of sister program to Suspense. They were cousins, basically. Um, it was just like Suspense, but it had more of a adventure feel. Suspense was kind of horror and mystery, where Escape was more on the adventure side. Um, and it lasted seven seasons. It had a good run. It didn't really have um, a sponsors. For a little while, Richfield Oil sponsored it, but it was sustained by the network. And it didn't really have stars either. Like, there were no big movie stars appearing, but you had the greatest radio pros. Every once in a while, there would be a Vincent Price or someone like that on it, but primarily it was people like Paul Fries and William Conrad, Jack Webb, Harry Bartell were the stars. It had a top producer... In William N. Robeson, also Norman McDonald and Anthony Ellis. Uh, over the years, Anthony Ellis, uh, those three guys produced Escape. Um, and um, it's it's really one of the best shows on the air. I think you're going to love this episode. It's called The Most Dangerous Game. This was a, um, this was a very uh, popular um, story, both in uh, literature, the... Um, the um, the stars in this program, of course, Paul Fries, but you'll also you're also going to hear other actors that you will know and love, like William Conrad, Lorene Tuttle, people like that. Let's go back to October first, nineteen forty seven. Here's the most dangerous game on Escape. About the price of butter and eggs? Fed up with a housing shortage? Want to get away from it all? CBS offers you escape. You're alone and unarmed in the green hell of a Caribbean jungle. You're being trailed by a peck of fiercely hungry dogs and a mad hunter armed for the kill. A mad hunter who believes that you, a human being, are the most dangerous game. The Columbia Broadcasting System and its affiliated stations present Escape, produced by William N. Robeson and directed tonight by Richard Sanville. Escape, carefully planned to free you from the four walls of today, free you for a half hour of high adventure. 
night, we escape to an island in the Caribbean and the weird sportsmanship of a madman, as Richard Conklin tells it in his unforgettable story, The Most Dangerous Game. My name is Rainsford. You may have heard of me. I make my living hunting big game for many of the major museums of the world, guiding parties of sportsmen on safari in Africa, Tibet, and South America. Perhaps you've had occasion to run across some of my books, but even if you have, there's one incident you won't find described in them, the full story of my most terrible hunt. It all began on board a private yacht en route to Rio. Whitney, my host, and I were smoking our pipes on deck, lounging back in steamer chairs, enjoying the sensuous drowsiness of the warm night. Uh, good dinner, eh? Excellent. Afraid I ate too much, though. Care for some uh, gin rummy? Oh, no, I don't care to move. All right. Uh... There's a rather large island off there that writes somewhere. It's uh, something of a mystery. Really? Oh, I didn't know. What island is it? The old charts call it Ship Trap Island. Suggestive name, isn't it? Sailors have a curious dread of the place. Some superstition. Or... Hmm, I, I can't see it. Well, you have good eyes, but even you can't see four miles or so through a moonless Caribbean night. No, not even four yards. <laughs> it is dark, isn't it? It'll be light enough in Rio. Oh, by the way, I uh, hope the guns have come from Purdy's. We should have some good jaguar hunting up the Amazon. Great sport, hunting. Best in the world. Yeah, for the hunter, not for the jaguar. Oh, why not? They've no understanding. Well, even so, I rather think they understand one thing. Fear. The fear of pain and the fear of death. Huh? Oh, Rod Whitney. <laughs> Who cares how the jagger feels? Perhaps the jaguar does. <laughs> oh, you're a big game hunter, not a philosopher. Look, the world is made up of two classes. The hunter and the hunted. We're lucky enough to be the hunters. Do you think we've passed that island yet? Yeah, can't tell in the dark. I hope so. Why? Oh, the place has a reputation. A bad one. Cannibals? <laughs> Hardly. Even cannibals wouldn't live in such an isolated spot. But it's gotten into sailors' legends somehow. Did you notice? The crew seemed jumpy today. Yes, they were a bit strange now that you mention it. Yes, it's a sort of dread, a kind of mental chill. I'll be hanged if I haven't felt it myself. Oh, pure imagination. But one superstitious sailor can infect a whole ship's company with his fear. Mm, maybe... Well, sometimes sailors have an extra sense which tells them when they're in danger. Well, <laughs> enough of that. I, I think I'll turn in. I'm not sleepy. I'll just have another pipe. Well, good night, then. See you in the morning. Yes. Good night, Whitney. It was very dark. So dark I could have slept without closing my eyes. The night would have been my eyelids. I puffed at my pipe, got drowsy. And then I was wide awake. A gun out there in the water, a gun. I sprang to the rail, strained my eyes in the direction of those shots, but I couldn't see a thing. 
I leaped up on the rail to get better elevation, and my pipe striking a rope was knocked out of my mouth. I lunged for it, and tight fingers closed around my heart as I realized I'd reached too far and lost my balance. The blood-warm waters of the Caribbean closed over my head. When I came to the surface, the wash from the speeding yacht slapped salt water into my mouth, making me gag and strangling me. I coughed and spat it out and found my voice. Help! 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 The lights from the boat moved steadily away. They quickly became faint fireflies. And then they were blotted out by the night. I struggled out of my clothes and turned to the direction from which I'd heard those shots. I began swimming. Slowly, conserving my strength. For an endless time, I fought the sea. Then I began to count my strokes. I thought I could possibly do another hundred before I... Someone was shooting game. Almost at my very elbow, it seemed. It gave me fresh vitality. I swam toward the sound. Then I was in the breakers. In another moment, I was dragging myself from the swirling waters, pulling myself hand over hand onto the narrow beach, gasping, panting for breath. I saw that the dense jungle came down to the edge of the cliff, and I was on land, on blessed land, safe on the soft, warm sand. I awoke late in the afternoon, a sharp hunger picking at me. As I slowly came to my feet, I saw not far from where I'd been lying signs of a terrible struggle in the underbrush that sloped so sharply to the beach. Some wounded thing, evidently a large animal, had thrashed about there in its death fight. And almost at my feet was a small glittering object, an empty cartridge from a twenty-two. That was odd. The hunter had had his nerve to tackle a large brute with so small a gun. I examined the ground closely and found what I'd hoped for. The print of hunting boots. They pointed up toward a recess in the cliff, and I hurried quickly after them, for night was beginning to settle on the island. It was already dark when I came upon it. First I thought it was a village. There were so many lights. But as I came closer, I saw that all the lights were in one building, a chateau on a high bluff. In a few moments, my bare feet were padding up stone steps, and I stood in front of the massive oaken door. Good evening. Oh, please don't be alarmed. There's no need for that gun. I'm no robber. It, it, it sounds silly, but I fell off a yacht. My name is Sanger Rainsford of New York City. He was certainly not alarmed by me, this giant who stood facing me. The revolver in his hand continued to point steadily at my chest, and the man behind it was solidly built and black-bearded to the waist, and silent. He waved me in with the gun and closed the door behind me. I was in a huge hall, but there was no time to look around. Another man was coming down the broad marble stairs, an erect, slender man in evening clothes. I stepped toward him. I've uh, just been explaining to this chap that I've had an accident. My name is Sanger Rainsford. 
It is a great pleasure and honor to welcome Mr. Rainsford, the celebrated hunter, to my home. Well, thank you. I've read your book on hunting snow leopards in Tibet. I'm General Zarov. Believe me, General, I'm very happy to see you. All right, Ivan, you can put down that gun. This gentleman is a guest. Ivan is a, an incredibly strong fellow, but he has the misfortune to be a mute. A simple thing, but a bit of a savage. I'm even happy to see him. Come, we should not be chatting here. You want clothes, food, rest. You shall have them. This is a most restful spot. I, I can't tell you how grateful I am. It is my pleasure. Follow Ivan, if you please, Mr. Rainsford. I was about to have my dinner, but it can wait. I think my clothes will fit you. So interesting. We're listening to Escape, the most dangerous game. That guy right there is Hans Conried. And the two of these guys, both Paul Fries and Hans Conried, did tons and tons of commercials in Especially, remember the fractured fairy tale commercials? And uh, Paul Fries was Boris Badenoff, and Hans Conried was Snidely Whiplash. Remember those two? Sure, I do. Yeah, uh, so they worked together. Here they are working in 1947 together on this escape broadcast. And then, like, maybe 15, 20 years later, they were doing all these cartoons together. Hans Conried did a ton of cartoons along with uh, Paul Fries. All right, we'll get back to the most dangerous game on Escape, October 1st, 1947. Great broadcast um, coming your way. The conclusion, just a minute. This is Hollywood 360. My team, Lisa Wolf and Mike Gastella with a bubble bath in the middle of his name there. We'll be right back. If you enjoy classic radio shows like The Lone Ranger, Sam Spade, Burns and Allen, Have Gun, Will Travel, Gangbusters, and Sherlock Holmes, become a member of the Classic Radio Club. Each month, you'll receive 10 half-hour classic radio shows along with historical liner notes. The 10 shows will be on five CDs or via digital download, whichever you prefer. You'll also receive an email every week with a digital link to the full five-hour Hollywood 360 radio show and the 30-minute Radio Rarities podcast that Carl Amari and I co host. In total, you'll receive 34 classic radio shows per month. Become a Classic Radio Club member at ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535 to speak to a live operator. Log on to ClassicRadioClub.com or call 815-900-7535. That's 815-900-7535. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. With a 65-year legacy of delivering the most insightful political commentary in America, National Review is the obvious choice for discerning conservatives who want to go beyond the headlines. From the latest news in Washington and the upcoming Republican primary race to the political cultural and economic trends impacting everyday Americans, their hard-hitting analysis is a must-add to your daily reading diet. We love National Review and are excited to have them as a partner because their writers and editors really do dive deeper into these stories than you'll find anywhere else. No talking heads, no clickbait, and none of the sensational coverage you see everywhere else. Hollywood 360 listeners can start reading today with a special 60% 
discount on any subscription option. You should try out their digital membership, NR Plus, which includes unlimited access to all their premium content, plus a world of membership perks like monthly calls with movement leaders and commenting privileges on the website. Just go to nationalreview.com slash Hollywood. That's nationalreview.com slash Hollywood. And use code Hollywood at checkout to save big. Right, Lisa? Right, Carl. I like to save money. Do you? Like yeah. Like to save big? I like to save big. How big do you like to save, Carl? Big. You know, you know what they say? What? <laughs> I lost all my money because I spent half of it on gambling and women and the other half i just squandered i i, I don't think that's the joke i think you but changed it a little bit what do you bit. think you like it i have no idea you don't know you didn't like <laughs> no. it how about sure uh, sure <laughs> you don't get that joke it's a joke yeah it, it, you don't get it I, no i i get it I, you changed it it was funnier the first I time <laughs> i can't remember all my jo- i have a lot of jokes yeah it, you it kind of dissolved I blew half my money on women and gambling, right. and the other half I squandered. Yeah. Did you get it? I do. I didn't do my rim shot when I said it, just, it again. I don't know. It like didn't have nah. the little, you know, panache somehow. Lisa spends money, more money in a week on gas for her jet. <laughs> That's true. Than Mike and I spend in a month on both our mortgages. Um, gas is very expensive right now, <laughs> if you hadn't noticed. <laughs> Did you have fun in New York? I had a lot of fun, but it was I was only there kids? for a day and with a half. With your girls? All your girls? Just, yeah, three girls and me. It was wow. a girls trip. Nice. Yes. Quick, wow. A quick one. They're still there. Yeah. I came back to do the radio show. Well, that was That's nice of dedication. you. That's <laughs> nice of you. I'm glad. All right. We're listening to Escape, the most dangerous game with Paul Freeze. Here's the conclusion. I followed the man into a huge beam ceiling bedroom with a canopied bed large enough for six men. Yvonne silently laid out an evening suit. And as I put it on, I noticed that it came from a London tailor. <laughs> and Whitney'd call this place too isolated even for cannibals. <laughs> I went downstairs and sat down opposite Zaroff in a dining room that suggested a baronial hall of feudal times. The food was excellent. Perhaps you were surprised that I recognized your name, but I read all books on hunting, published in English, French, and Russian. I have but one passion in life, and that is the hunt. Why, oh, I notice you have some wonderful heads here. Well, that Cape Buffalo over there is the largest I've ever seen. Oh, that fellow. Yes, he charged me, threw me against the tree, fractured my skull. But I got the brute. Mm. I've always thought the Cape Buffalo the most dangerous of all big game. No, the Cape Buffalo is not the most dangerous. No? Here in my preserve on this island, I hunt more dangerous game. Oh, is there a big game on this island? The biggest. Really? Oh, it is not here naturally. I had to stock the island. Well, what have you imported, General? Tigers? No. Hunting tigers ceased to interest me when I exhausted their possibilities. There is no thrill left in tigers, no real danger. I live for danger. Cigarette, Mr. Ainsford. Please. We will have some capital hunting, you and I. But what game? I'll tell you. You will be amused, I know. I think I may say in all modesty that I have done a rare thing. I have invented a new sensation. May I pour you another glass of port? Thank you. I have been a hunter all my life. 
but after many years of enjoyment, I found that the hunt no longer fascinated me. It had ceased to be what you call a sporting proposition. I always got my quarry, always. And there is no greater bore than perfection. Then you were a very good hunter, General. No, no, I had merely discovered that the animal has nothing but his legs and his instincts. Instinct is no match for reason. When I realized this, it was a tragic moment for me. As I told you, I love to hunt. And then it came to me as an inspiration what I must do. And that was? I had to invent a new animal to hunt. A new animal? Why, you're joking. I assure you I am not, sir. A new animal, and so... I found one. I bought this island, built this house, and here I do my hunting. The island is perfect for my purpose. There are jungles with a maze of trails in them, hills, swamps. And the animal, General Zara? It supplies me with the most intense excitement of all. I never grow bored now, for I have a quarry with which I can match my wits. An ideal quarry, with courage, cunning, and above all, reason. But... No animal can reason. My dear fellow, there is one that can. I can't believe you're serious. But there's some grisly joke. Of course I'm serious. I'm speaking of hunting. You're speaking of murder. Surely your experience isn't the Did war. Did not make me condone cold-blooded murder. I'll wager you'll forget your notions when you go hunting with me. Why, you've a genuine new thrill in store for you, Mr. Raines. Thank oh. you. I'm a hunter, not a murderer. Oh, dear me, that unfortunate word again... But I, I hunt the scum of the earth, sailors from tramp ships, lascars, mongrels... Where do you get the... them? This island is called Ship Trap. There is a row of lights out there on the reef which indicate a channel where there is none, only rocks. I control the lights from my tower. You wreck their ships and then you shoot down the men. Oh, but I treat my visitors with every consideration. They get plenty of good food and exercise. They get into splendid physical condition... You shall see for yourself tomorrow. Would you like some more port, please? What shall I see tomorrow? We'll visit my training school. It's in the cellar. I have about a dozen there now. Sailors. Inferior lot, I regret to say. More accustomed to the deck than the jungle. Ivan, we'll have our coffee now. Thick Turkish coffee, Mr. Rainsford. Very good. No. Is your appetite quite gone? No coffee, thank you. Just one, Ivan. It is a game, you see. I suggest to one of them that we go hunting. I give him three hours start. I am to follow, armed only with pistol of smallest caliber and range. If my quarry eludes me for three whole days, he wins the game. If I find him, he loses. And if he refuses to be hunted? Oh, I give him the option. If he won't hunt, I turn him over to Ivan here. Ivan once served as official executioner to the great white czar, and he has his own ideas of sport. <laughs> Invariably, they choose the hunt. And if they win? To date, I have not lost. <laughs> I don't wish you to think me a braggart. Once did almost uh, win. Eventually, I had to use the dogs. The dogs? Yeah. Just step over here to the window a moment. I want you to see my courtyard. Go ahead, Mr. Rainford. Open the window, please. And I have a dozen, as you can see. They are let out at seven every night. If anyone should try to get into my house or out of it, well, it would be regrettable. And now I want to show you my new collection of heads. Will you come with me to the library, I, please? I hope you'll excuse me tonight. I'm really not feeling at all well. 
Oh, I am sorry. You need a good restful night's sleep. Tomorrow you'll feel like a new man, and then we'll hunt. Eh? I wonder how the promising prospect. But I was already hurrying from the room and up the marble stairway. I heard him calling after me. Sorry you can't go with me tonight. I expect rather fair sport, a big, strong native from west coast of Africa. He looks resourceful. The bed was good. I was tired, but I didn't sleep. I didn't toss or turn. I didn't move. I just lay rigidly in one spot, my eyes on the ceiling, my arms tight against my side, my breathing slow and heavy, my mind empty, waiting, waiting. The inky black was just beginning to dissolve. A thin line of gray was just beginning to seep insidiously into my room when Zaroff found his quarry. Then, I suppose I slept. When I awoke, the sun shadows were already slanting through my room. Must have been well after noon. I came down to find General Zaroff pouring himself a glass of brandy by the sideboard. Uh, Mr. Rainsford, feeling better, I trust? Yes. I wish I could say the same. No, I'm not well. Hunting was no good last night. He made a straight trail, offered no problems at all. General, I want to leave the island at once. Mr. Rainsford... Tonight, we will hunt, you and I. No, General. I've told you I will not hunt. I beg you to reconsider. My idea of sport is much more diverting than Ivan. You... You mean that? Yes. You and I. It's really an inspiration. A foeman worthy of my steel at last. Oh, you'll find this game worth playing, Rainsford. Your brain against mine. Your woodcraft against mine. Your strength and stamina against mine. <laughs> Outdoor chess. And the stake is not without value, eh? And if I win? If I do not find you by midnight of the third day, then I'm defeated. My sloop will place you on the mainland near a town. <laughs> oh, you can trust me. I give you my word as a gentleman and as a sportsman. Of course, you in turn must agree to say nothing of your visit here. I'll agree to say nothing of the kind. Well, in that case, well, why discuss it now? Three days from now, we can chat about it over a bottle of Veuve Clicquot. Unless... <laughs> now, listen, Rainford. Ivan will supply you with hunting clothes, food, and knife. I suggest you wear moccasins. They leave a poorer trail. I suggest, too, you avoid the big swamp in the southeast corner of the island. There's quicksand there. And now, you'll want to start, no doubt... I shall not follow until dusk. Hunting at night is so much more exciting than by day, don't you think, Mr. Rainsford? Good hunting. I kept telling myself through tight teeth that I had to keep my head. Keep my head. My first idea had been to put distance between myself and Zaroff, and so I'd plunged into the jungle in a blind panic. Before long, I shook it off and stopped. Straight flight was futile. It would only bring me out to the sea. Then I hit upon the idea of giving him a trail to follow. I would begin our dangerous game by playing the fox. For more than two hours, I went through the trackless wilderness, executing a series of intricate loops, doubling again and again on my trail. Night found me leg-weary, with hands and face lashed by the branches. I needed rest badly. And having played the fox, I decided now to play the cat. I climbed into the crotch of a huge tree. 
an apprehensive night crawled slowly by like a wounded snake. Then at dawning, a startled bird suddenly screamed and I flattened against the bow. Through a screen of leaves as thick as tapestry, I saw the general. Came slowly, his eyes fixed on the ground. Almost beneath my tree, he paused and went down on one knee studying the ground. I would have gone for him, leaping the way a panther does. Except for the small automatic in his right hand. After a seemingly endless time, he came back to his feet. His eyes left the ground and traveled inch by inch up the tree. I froze. Every muscle tensed for a spring. But the hunter's eyes stopped just before they reached the limb on which I lay. A slow smile spread over his brown face. Oh, Rainsford, where can you have gone? Wherever are you, you clever dog? I simply must go home and lie down a bit to think this over. The pent-up air burst hotly from my lungs as he turned back and disappeared. So, the general was playing with me, was saving me for another day's sport. Zeroff was the cat and I was the mouse. In that moment, I knew the real meaning of terror. I slipped from the tree and set off into the woods. I'd only gone a few hundred yards when I found a huge dead tree leaning against a smaller living one. I pulled my knife from its sheath and set to work. When the job was finished, I threw myself down behind a log a hundred feet away. How long I waited, I don't know. Seemed like days. It was probably only a few hours. Then he was coming again, with the sureness of a bloodhound. Nothing, nothing escaped those searching black eyes. No crushed blade of grass, no bent twig, no mark, however faint, in the moss. He was so intent on his stalking, he was upon the thing before he saw it, his foot touching the protruding branch that was the trigger. The dead tree, delicately adjusted to rest on the cut living one, crashed heavily to the earth. And I waited yet another moment, not daring to look up and see if it really had done its work. <laughs> Rainsford, if you are within the sound of my voice, let me congratulate you. There aren't many men who know how to make a melee man-catcher. I am a lucky man, Rainsford. My reflexes are still good. Did you see me spring back even while it was falling? Rainsford, can you hear me? You are proving interesting. I'm going back now to have my wound dressed. Don't be alarmed. It's only a slight one. I shall be back. I shall be back. It was dark and I'd been going for hours. The vegetation became ranker. Insects were biting me savagely. And when mud began sucking viciously at my feet like giant leeches, I knew where I was. About to enter the death swamp with its quicksand. However, the softness of the earth gave me an idea. I stepped back about a dozen paces out of the quicksand and began to dig. When the pit was above my shoulders, I climbed out. And from some hard saplings, I cut stakes, sharpening them to a fine point. I planted the stakes at the bottom of the pit, with their points up. With flying fingers, I wove a rough carpet of weeds and branches. And with it, I covered the mouth of the pit. Then, wet with sweat and aching with tiredness, I crouched behind the stump of a lightning-blasted tree... I heard the padding sound of feet on the soft earth. I knew he was coming. The night wind brought me the perfume of the general's black cigarette. Although I could see nothing, it seemed to me that he was coming with unusual swiftness, that he was not feeling his way along foot by foot. 
In one brief moment, I lived an entire year. Then I heard the sharp crackle of breaking branches. The cover of the pit gave way. Ah. You've done well, Rainsford. Very well. Where did you get the tie? Your Burmese tiger pit has claimed one of my best dogs. And so you score again. I must see what you can do now against my whole pack. He went away again. But I just lay there in the swamp that night. At daybreak, I was awakened by a distant sound, faint and wavering. The baying of a pack of hounds. I went up into a tree. Down a watercourse, not a quarter of a mile away, I could see the bush moving. I strained my eyes and saw the lean figure of General Zaroff. Just ahead of him, I made out the gigantic Ivan, holding the pack in leash. I prepared for the native trick I've learned in Uganda. I slipped from the tree, caught hold of a springy young sapling, and to it fastened my knife, its blade pointing down the trail. With a bit of wild grapevine, I tied back the sapling and ran for my life. The hounds hit the fresh scent and raised their voices, and I knew how an animal at bay must feel. Even as I ran, the clamor of the hounds suddenly ceased. And with it, my heart stopped. For that meant they'd reached the knife. I climbed excitedly up a tree and looked back, and hope died in my brain. The general was still on his feet. Even, however, was not. The knife, driven by the recoil of the springing tree, had done its work. Then the dogs took up the cry again, and I was on the ground once more. Nerve! Nerve! I panted the words over and over as I fled headlong. A blue gap showed through the trees dead ahead. I forced myself up on towards the gap and reached the sea. Lay 20 feet below me, rumbling and hissing. I stood a moment, poised over the edge. I heard the hounds. I knew it was the end. Then I leaped far out into the water. Well, it's been a busy day, Adam. A busy day. Oh, down, Adam, down. What's the matter, my boy? Hungry? All right, catch. Uh, it's quite a day. Not perfect, of course. Two slight annoyances. One is, it will be difficult to replace Ivan. And the other... Well, our quarry escaped us, didn't he, Adam? But then, of course, the American didn't really play the game. So we won't count it. We won't count it at all. All right, my boy. That's enough for now. Out you go with the rest. Better luck another time. Rainsford. Good evening, Jack. How did you get here? I swam. I found that quicker than walking through the jungle. I congratulate you. You have won the game. No, General. Yes, yes, of course you have. I'm still a beast at bay. Get ready, General Zarov. I see. Splendid. One of us is to furnish a meal for the hounds. The other will sleep in this very excellent bed. Good, Rainsford. Good. Anger. Huh? The general was right. 
Never before in my life had I slept in a better bed. Escape is produced by William N. Robeson and was directed tonight by Richard Sandville. You have escaped tonight in the Richard Connell story, The Most Dangerous Game. Adapted for radio by Irving Ravitch with Paul Fries as Sanger Rainsford and Hans Conried as General Zaroff. The special musical score was conceived and conducted by Cy Fuhr. Next week, CBS offers you Escape with Frank H. Spearman's exciting story of railroading the run of the Yellow Mail. Until this same time next week then, good night. This is CBS, the Columbia Broadcasting System. That's Escape, the most dangerous game, starring Paul Fries, October 1st, 1947. Time now for Sarah Knight Adamson. She's our national movie critic. Here's Sarah's backstage pass. Hi, Carl, and hello to all our listeners out there. Tonight, I'm going to review a new TV series from the Knives Out director, Ryan Johnson. Meet the new Columbo. Her name is Charlie Kale. She's played by Natasha Leone. She wears large sunglasses, a dusty baseball cap, and drives a beat-up 1969 Plymouth Barracuda. Don't try to underestimate her, as she's got any crime case solved. What's it like? Always knowing the truth. There's nothing mystical about it. I could just tell. And anyone is lying. I know what you did, you psycho. You're gonna find Charlie Kale, and you're gonna bring it to me. Each poker face episode involves another case, and typically another murder. You live on the road, right? What's it like leaving everything behind? Start fresh. I got wolves on my fender. Oh, I gotta keep moving. It wasn't an accident. I, I think there's been a murder. Look out! I have been kind of a death magnet. I'm trying to figure out what happened. You watch too much Dateline. I could tell she was lying. Wow, I've enjoyed the first five episodes and look forward to the next five. The guest celebrities are loads of fun to watch, as in Adrian Brody, Benjamin Bratt, and Judith Light. There's something about the charisma of Natasha's character that makes the series so entertaining. And of course, Ryan Johnson's excellent scripts. Hey, look for different writers and directors throughout the season. I'm Sarah Knight Adamson, your film and TV critic for Sarah's Backstage Pass. Be sure to check out my top 15 film reviews of the 30 I screened at Sundance Film Festival. And... I highly recommend Peacock's Poker Face. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. In our next hour, Dick Powell stars on Rogue's Gallery. Plus, it's learning the lyrics. That's in our next hour. See you soon. We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on local now, channel 525.